catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Wednesday, June 8th. I'm Erica Klessy. And I'm Matthew Bell. And this is The Point from WUFT News. This week, we spoke to WLRN reporter Veronica Zadagovia about her coverage of the Surfside building collapse. Last Wednesday, Miami-Dade Circuit Court Judge Michael Hansman approved a settlement fund of $1.02 billion. According to the Miami-Dade Circuit Court, parties involved in the Surfside case have until June 16th to submit an opt-out request. The Surfside property will be sold for $120 million. Sure, I wanted to explain how each of the 98 victims, um, you know, how the court is going to go about deciding how much money from that nearly $1 billion settlement would go to the families of those 98 victims. And so the aim of the story is to try to explain the process that the court will be going through over the coming months um, to get these families their, their money by September. How is the court deciding how much money is awarded to these family members? The process involves determining, um, like, they might be possibility of income earning, and so it would depend on their age. And so if this was the primary breadwinner for the family, then that family will likely receive more from the settlement than the family of a victim who was an infant or a retiree at the time of death. They also look at the family that is left behind, if children were left behind. Maybe that might perhaps provide some more money than if all of the children of that victim are already, say, grown adults who have their own homes. And so I think they're looking at several factors. And how does this settlement differ from events like 9-11 or the Pulse nightclub shooting? Well, it's not different than the 9-11 because Um, That one also involved a settlement, and so in that regard, it's very similar in that they they also had to make a decision on how much to give to each family, but the full nightclub shooting money came from a GoFundMe account, and because that money was donated as it was after the Boston Marathon bombing, then those instances, those situations where there are donations, the money is split evenly among the families of all the victims. But when it's a settlement to avoid a jury trial, then they do their best to figure out what a jury would have awarded to each family. So that's why those are different. In in the case of Surfside, how are families of the victims responding to the settlement? It's a painful process because they have to fill out forms and they understand that a judge and two administrators of the fund will be looking at all of these factors and, and deciding what someone very dear to them is worth. It, it just adds to the difficult feelings that they're going through because um, we're approaching the one-year mark since the collapse happened. And so um, I think uh, some are not concerned about the money and they just want to know why the building collapsed. So, it's, you know, nobody's happy about this, and but they're just going to go, to, they're going to do what they need to do to get some kind of resolution. So what happens if one of the families, if they opt out of the settlement? If a family opts out of the settlement, that means that they're planning to sue one of the defendants on their own. And then, you know, they might be successful and and sue for more money than they would receive if they stay in the settlement. That happened actually after 9-11. Some families did sue the airlines and it took, but this process takes many more years. And that's what the judge is trying to 
recommend to families to not opt out because he's managed to bring a, a near end to this court process within about a year's time. That I am aware of, no family has opted out, but they have until mid-June to make that decision. Since you began covering Surfside, how has the settlement affected you? The news of the settlement helped to bring like a sense of the court hearings coming to, to an end uh, fairly soon. And it was an opportunity to speak to attorneys and to families. I have very much wanted to stay on top of every development in this story. So it's just that very, you know, big step in the story that I've been covering since the day of the building collapse. But I completely understand that these families are still suffering the same amount of pain they did the day that it happened. So it's not um, very easy to talk about it with them, but it's, it's They've all been extremely generous, both attorneys and families, in, in speaking to reporters and helping us explain what they're going through. And so, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a big, big development when it happened. That was WLRN reporter Veronica Zaragovia talking about the Surfside condominium collapse. A fairness hearing is scheduled to take place on June 23rd at 9 a.m. in the Miami-Dade Children's Courthouse. To read more about the class action settlement, visit MiamiDadeClerk.com. And for the latest breaking news, visit WUFT.org. Now let's get into some top headlines today. The city of Gainesville has approved three ordinances that aim to expand recycling and reduce waste. The new changes adopted last week require grocery stores and businesses to offer food scraps to composting services or pantries by June 2023. Apartment complexes will also be required to establish a lease transition plan, which diverts discarded household items like furniture from dumpsters. Businesses which have already taken steps in becoming environmentally friendly should see minimal changes. Recent student pedestrian deaths at the University of Florida have sparked community outrage, leading to changes along West University Avenue. These changes include speed table implementation and decreasing the speed limit from 30 to 25 miles per hour. The Florida Department of Transportation is actively working with city and state officials and the University of Florida to assess the effectiveness of these changes and to make more. Gainesville City Commissioner David Ariola says other streets, like 13th Street, which is adjacent to University Avenue, are still dangerous and that people should continue to press for pedestrian safety. Brooksville nurses are protesting staffing shortages that are endangering the safety of patients and workers. According to WUSF, nursing staff at Oak Hill Hospital in Brooksville state that staffing shortages were a problem before COVID-19 and have worsened as nurses have left the field to pursue other opportunities. Hospital officials say they have hired 78 new direct care nurses so far this year and are continuing to recruit new members. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Visit WUFT.org for more information. I'm Matthew Bell. And I'm Erica Klessy. And you're listening to The Point from WUFT News. Have a great Wednesday.